continue in our series um, of Becoming Your Calling. We don't have a zip clip for you because the kids are here in Kids Church. Uh, so kids, if you're home, uh, I know the, the Conover's are home recovering. Um, we're sorry, Zip's not here. You could go on YouTube and you can watch all of our Zip clips. They are on YouTube under the church's YouTube page. So uh, you could play a rerun if, you, if you'd like. Um, sorry, I'm getting excited. forgot to bring my notes for today up. All right. So we've been looking at the theme of becoming your calling. And I love uh, seeing old things brought back to life and useful again. And so I can easily get sucked into any TV show that has this component in it, right? So there's a few in particular that just catch my eye when I have the time to watch, like American Restorations, where this guy Rick takes in like Coke machines and toys and pinball machines and just old stuff that looks beat up and broken. And when he's done with them, it's just amazing. Or uh, these, these guys up in Canada, they're a little weird but uh, uh, it's called uh, Rust Valley Restores, and they take these old cars out in the middle of the field, and they, and they drag them in, and they, and they restore them. The next thing you see afterwards, they're just driving away, uh, you know, in this $80,000 car now that looks amazing. Or a popular one with a lot of people is just um, uh, Chip and Johanna Gaines, the fixer-upper, right, where they take this beat-up house and knock walls down and all these kinds of things, and it looks amazing. And just... I don't know what it is about it. I just am captivated. And it's, it's part of the, the before picture, uh, the process of it all, and then the final result. And, and I have a few pictures just to, just to show you. So from American Restoration, somebody brought in this beat-up old little toy fire truck, and they're like, can you fix this? And I would look at that and say, no. Nope, go, it belongs in the scrap heap. But when they were done, it looked like this. Isn't that crazy? This that process of the old and then the new. And then so a lot of the car shows where they pull in these old pieces of junk, rust bucket cars. I'm like, that's kind of a cool car from the 30s. That's a, that's a 37 Plymouth Coupe, by the way, in case you were wondering. Um, I, I'm a car, I grew up a car guy. So, uh, so they, they pull in something like this, and then when they're done, what rolls out is something like this. And it's just beautiful, and you go, just the process is amazing. And then probably some uh, famous ones like, like you see these old kind of just beat up, run down houses that look like they just need a bulldozer. And when some of these shows are done, they, they have these finished products that are just, just amazing. But in every one of these restorations, the project or the, sorry, the process is, is the same. There's a process involved. And if you watch, it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a car restoration show, a house restoration show, or anything else kind of the restoration, the process is the same. That's this. There's an evaluation period where they recognize what's broken, what's decayed, what's whatever, what needs to be fixed, and what needs to happen with it. And then there's a, a, a demolition, like on Fixer Up, he calls it demo day, and that's Chip's favorite day. Where they just go in and get to break stuff and haul stuff out. But, but there's this, this demolition, this removal of what is old, what is worn, what is broken, what is not functioning anymore, it's, it's removed. And then once the demo is done, there's this, the beginning of the new, this adding new components, whether it's the house or a car or what not. And then the final, what we see in the screen is just, bang, the completed project. 
And so this process is true in every restoration project, including you. And that's what I want to talk about with you today, because we've been talking about this new life that God has called us or invited us to live. And uh, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter... I'm sorry, I just kind of organized the old and the new together. Um, We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And so saying we are a new creation. When we come to Christ and Christ is in our life, our old life is gone and our new is here. And this truth is realized in two ways. Okay, there's two theological words that, that summarize this. The first one is justification. What's justification? Justification means instantly you've been set free and made right with God. Guilt condemnation for your sins, all of these things are removed and you have a new life before you. Justification is a judicial term. It's, it's that when, imagine if you are uh, being held accountable for some crimes that you committed in the, court, in the courtroom. And when the judge declares you innocent of these crimes and you can now go free, that is, that is justification. It means Uh, An easy way I was taught to think about it was just as if I never did it. It's justification. You are free instantly. And so when Jesus says, uh, and Paul records that we are a new creation, that's a a justifying term. It's judicial. But how many know if you are in a a lifestyle of, of crime or if you're in a lifestyle of bad decisions, just because somebody says you are free, when you step out of that courthouse and onto the street, you have a decision to make, right? You can now live in that free life, or you can go back to an old pattern of living and maybe end up in that courtroom again, right? So even though you've been declared free and innocent, there's a process involved in actually becoming that way. And that's the second theological term. It's called sanctification, and that basically is the new life is, reveal, uh, is realized and lived out in practical living. It's just living this new life now, being the mindset of somebody who is set free and living that way, and not living somebody like something or someone as condemned. And so let's bring us back here to the, what we mean by the Restoration Project. When we come uh, uh, to God, we come with the realization... Uh, like the before pictures. Like, hey, this is my life. That we are broken, full of rot, ugly in so many ways. And when we, we, we have to come to that point where we, we realize that our old life is not a life to be lived anymore. That it leads us nowhere good. That it's standing between us and God. That, the, that our pattern of thinking and the way we live is just full of damage, damage to ourselves, damage to others. It, it's just, it's leading us nowhere good, and we're in need of something different. If you never come to that realization, you will never seek restoration with God. And that's a personal choice, that's a decision, that's, uh, that's fine, that's, that's with you, but um, 
we do come to the situation where we realize our old way of living is like these pictures. This is characteristic of who we are. But God has in mind something different for you. God has in mind to restore us, to make us beautiful and functioning as we were designed to. And, and, and if you're watching this and this is, or, or you're here to, and you're listening right now, it's important to understand this, that, that when sin came in, God designed us to function and to live a certain way. And sin is like the, the, the rot or the decay. We live on Cape Cod. Almost every house in the Cape, unless it's brand new, has some sort of rot on the trim, right? Because of the, the weather here, right? It's a constant battle uh, of, of house maintenance here on the Cape. And we start to realize that because of the sin in our life, that this, this rot, this decay is, happens in our life, and we are not living as originally designed to live by God. And that we need, we need God's restoration in our life. And so this is God's uh, design for you and for me, to, to live as he created us, as he has designed us to live. And there's this process. When we come to Christ with this realization, and, and we believe and trust in his work, we receive new life. We receive justification. As if we never did. As if we're new. But then there is the life process of living out the sanctification, the the removing of the old and adopting the new into our life so that we actually become what has been declared. Does that make sense? Well, what does this process look like? I mean, I think it's easy for us to look at things like cars and houses and say, well, that's old, that's broken, that needs to be changed. And, it, and the reality, too, is that the objects that we restore have no will of their own, Right? We, they just, we, if we want to fix it, we just fix it. it. It doesn't say, no, leave me alone, I'm not broken. Right? That'd be, that'd be strange. Right? So, what does this process look like for us? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 reads this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Ephesians talks about this, and it's, not, it's Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, that what, what Paul is communicating here is similar to the restoration process we talked about with other things. And Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 illustrates this. So let's, let's look at that this morning. Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. First thing, we have to evaluate our lives. There's an evaluation process when we examine our lives and we decide, well, what is my old self and what is the new self? What needs to be broken? There are things that stand in the way of my new life being realized. Paul mentions here, he talks about um, that uh, we're being corrupted by deceitful desires. 
So there are, there are desires within us that are unhealthy, that, that corrupt our thinking, that corrupt our new life. And I think this is, we can all have, we all have a desire in our mind that we can go, you know, that's not healthy for me. Whether it be too many cookies or, or things much more sinister, right? We can all think about desires in our life that, hey, that, that desire, I really have to fight that desire. It could be other things like thinking that's hostile towards God. Just a pattern of thinking, the way our thought process leads us, those kinds of things. There's also actions that harm us, that harm others, decisions we make, things we do that, that we can't undo, that we know is, is not synonymous with the new life. These are things that we have to evaluate and look and say, hey, that is good, that is not good as it relates to what God has called me to. And I think the question comes up is, how do we identify this? How do we identify what leads, what's part of my old self? What's part of the new self that needs to be cultivated and encouraged? And what, needs, what is the broken part that needs to be uh, removed? Because the reality is, um, most of the brokenness in the way we live in our life uh, don't, doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow fade, right? Just like everything else deteriorates slowly. Cars rot slowly. Things begin to slowly break down, right? Houses de- degrade into the ground on a very slow period of time. That's true for you and for me. So when we're living it, how, how are we how, to know? What's part of my old life? What is it that stands in the way? And again, in Ephesians 5, chapter 1, Paul says this, follow God's example. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, and you say, well, what do you mean it's straightforward? Well, how do I know God's example? Well, that's why this was given to us, God's word. So when we open up and we make a habit of reading God's word, we start to realize the things that God calls as detrimental to our life and the things that he says are what he instituted and what leads us to life. And in fact, if, if we continued in chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, we went on to 25 and kept reading, he would start to list things, like get rid of these things. Add these things. So we learn by reading God's word what our old life and new life and the difference between them. So it's a, it's, it's a plug to say, hey, our ultimate goal is to strive to be like Christ, who was and is God. So we strive to be like Christ. He's our example, and we learn that by reading Scripture. Let's go on to the the next piece. Well, we have this evaluation process, and then in verse 22, he says, put off your old self. Well, when I read put off your old self, I think of this. Um, It requires effort on my part. Right? It requires effort. And, and, and this is important for me to point out because I've been a, I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 25 years. And I, I've met a lot of people who think and believe that, it's, that they have no role in it, that God does it. That I come to God and God, God changes me. Uh, as if we are an inanimate object that has no voice or choice in the matter. 
And so it's important to point out that it requires effort on our part. That we, we are part of this process. And, and every single New Testament author, writer, talks about the effort that must be applied on our end. Every one of them. So it's not like oh, only Paul was talking about this. And let me real quick just show you. Paul says it in Colossians 3.8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. And he starts to list them. James, in James chapter 1.21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And he goes on to list some things. That sounds like action on our part. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, rid yourselves of... And he goes on to begin to list things. And then you say, well, if Jesus is our example, what did Jesus say? Well, in Jesus in, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he talked about the, this, uh, if you want to be my disciple. He says here, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So, so I just want to dispel any notion that you have no, uh, no responsibility to do the work in your life. I'm sorry. It would be fun to just be able to say, hey, whoop, I don't have any role here. God, when you decide to get rid of this anger in my life, when you decide to get rid of this hate in my life, when you decide to get rid of this this bad thinking that I have, you do it, Lord, but until then, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. It's nonsense. Uh, you have to have an effort. If you want to see the new life realized in your life, you have to do something about it. It's not all on God. And here's the thing. It is true. You need the power of God to do these things. Without God's power, you can't do it. But guess what? Without you, God won't do it. So I wrote this down. You can't do it without God, and God won't do it without you. It's a, it's a team effort. Your will and your effort is needed. God's power is required. And, and you can realize a new life and, and remove the old things, the broken things, the rotted things, the distorted things in your life so that we can go to the next step, which is to add the new. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, it says this, uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You say, well, that looks like it takes effort as well. Because he said, take off the old and then put on the new. You say, well, how do I know what's new that I'm supposed to be putting on? Right? Because that's a valid question. Like, am I just, whatever I think I'm supposed to do, is that what I do? Again, a plug for reading your scripture, your, the Holy Bible, God's Word, whatever you call it, what you've grown up hearing it. We need to read what it says and we'll understand. Let me show you a few things. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. So this is somebody who lives in God and in the Spirit. These are the good things that we pursue, right? Like you say, well, man, I'm not, I'm not really that much of a gentle person. Well, now we know where, what you need to pursue, right? You say, well, you know, I'm not really a kind person or a peaceful person. Well, you got some, that's, that's where you know your work is. That's where the effort is. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We have to actively pursue this, this process of, of out with the old, in with the new in our lives. It's, it, 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 requires, it requires our effort. It doesn't come by osmosis, right? It'd be nice if we just, when we fell asleep, we woke up next morning a little less old and a little more new. Uh, you know, and that just, every time it got a little better with time. But you and I both know we've met people who have, who have been uh, known the Lord for decades. And, and, and they're no different 30 years later than they were 20 years prior. We also know people who are terrible people. And as they begin to apply themselves to God, as they as they, as they worked on getting rid of the old and in with the new, in, in a few short years, they're just a completely different individual. Barely recognizable because of the changes in the thought process and the actions and the language. Because they took an active role. Partnering with the Holy Spirit to, to change, to reflect, to be more like Christ. And this is necessary if you're ever going to realize the new life that God has for you. See, the promises of God are true. God, God wants you that, to look that restored and beautiful and, and, and doing what you were designed to do and designed to live and, and being all of those things. I had this thought this morning, if, if God is our creator, if he gave us life, doesn't he want you to live life to its fullest? I mean, sometimes I think there's a mindset that, that God's out there to make our life difficult. That, I mean, we've got to prove ourselves to God or some sort of penance to, to make up for our sins or, or this doom and gloom and this heaviness about being a child of God. Like, ah, God, God wants you to live your life to the fullest, but His way. He knows what that looks like. And He wants to lead us there. And part of it says, hey, this old stuff that's characterized by the old self, that needs to go. And this is the new that needs to come in. There's a great exchange that has to take place. And honest, honestly, so many people try to invite Jesus into their lives and, and still keep their old life. And instead of looking like a new creation, they just look like a, a hoarder. 
Right? You ever seen those TV show too, The Hoarders? People who just, you know, they, for whatever reason, uh, they can't get rid of stuff. And it was, the house is mixed with a bunch of old and yucky and a bunch of new stuff, and it's just, you can't make rhyme or reason of it. But oftentimes I see people come to God like, man, I, this is who I am, and uh, God can take it or leave it, but I, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Jesus referred to this situation, this dilemma in his parable of the sower in Matthew chapter um, 13, verse 22. He explained the parable and he said this, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. And that's just an analogy, the, the, the vines, the thorns in our life are, are examples, are um, symbols of those things in our life that need to be removed, the old, but we don't. And then God's word, God's goodness, his new life, his promises come in and start to grow, but it's all mixed with the weeds and the vines and, the, and there's no life. So the good thing that God is trying to do in our life gets choked out because the other stuff is growing up right with it. And then what I've observed is Christians live frustrated. We live frustrated that, God, you promised this, but how come I'm not receiving it? You promised this, you said in your word, you said this, you said this, you said this. And God said, I did say all those things, but you're not making any effort to remove the old and live the new life. So it's... It's that old that has choked out the new promise in your life. And so, church, if we want to really understand and live these promises and this new life that's amazing, that's restorative, that's healing, that brings you life, there's some stuff in your life that's got to go. It's got to. You say, well, is it a matter of salvation? Well, majority of it, no. Because God's already declared you, set free, saved, free from the law, but he really wants more for you than just a judicial declaration. He wants you to experience the new life he has in store for you, that he has in store for me. And so we live this this continual life of this exchanging the old for the new. And the crazy thing is this, and in our world, we have to demo everything out before we start with the new. That's not how God does it. You see, God somehow is able to, to, when we come to him and we offer this, he takes the old and gives us new, and it's this constant exchange back and forth so that we can actually operate and live and feel the joy instead of just being completely gutted right before he starts building us back up. And that's amazing. Uh, that's an amazing lifelong Process. My challenge to us this morning is this. Is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 11 is full of these uh, amazing heroes of the faith that the, the writer uh, highlights. And he says there, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, all these people who've gone before us, who have lived these, this life of faith, 
since we have all of these people before us, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us. Isn't it? Man, it's, it's surprising to me how easy it is to sin and how difficult it can be to live for Jesus. Am I the only one? It's like, man, I don't even have to think about sinning. I'm like, whoa, oh, what am I doing? But when it comes to living for just like this hard work to do, that alone is an indicative of, of my nature that needs to be restored by God. But still, he says here, the, it, the sin that so easily entangles us, it's so easy. Let us throw these things off and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. See, Jesus is our example. We run this race, this journey through life. We're not trying to get to the end as faster than everybody else. That's not the analogy here. It's the journey, the marathon uh, uh, that we're all running. That let us... Let us throw off everything that hinders us. The, the sin that entangles, the stuff that gets in the way that's part of the old life. Let's make an effort to get rid of all that stuff and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who's the pioneer of our faith. He's the reason that we have faith and leave, keep Him as our example as we move through this life. Getting rid of the old and inviting the new. If we'll commit to doing this, the restoration process in your life will be amazing. You may identify with one of those pictures that old, broken down, rotted, feel like no good, not usable anymore, like my days are past. Uh, oh, pastor, if you knew the things that I did or that I thought, God could never use me. Um, any of those kinds of thoughts, that's synonymous with the old life. And God says, no, 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 I don't want you to stay there. I want to restore you. I want to make you beautiful and functioning like you were originally designed to function. And church, if you will set your heart, if we will set our mind and our heart and our spirits to do this, of, of reading God's word, and when we come across things that are synonymous with the old life, that we say, hey, that's in my life that will do the, the work of bringing it before the Lord and effort to throw it off, to get rid of, and adopt the new in our life, you will not look the same as the weeks and months and years go on. It's a constant process. I'm going to close us this morning with the same prayer we've been closing uh, every, every Sunday in this series because I think... It's so uh, appropriate, and I want you to get it in your heart and your spirit. That, that God has called you, he's invited you to live a life that is so different than anything else you've ever known. A life in him, a new life. And it's through his power that that will get realized, and through your effort, your giving yourself to that and believing that it's possible that God can do this in my life. 
I just need to apply it, and with his power, it will be made real. That's what your, that's the second part of this prayer, what your faith is prompting you to do. I pray as we read through this that you would make this your prayer as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Lord, we thank you this morning that you've called us, you've invited us to live this new life that's found in you. And Lord, the, the old in our life is familiar. Uh, the old life, it's maybe what we've always done. And the thought of trying to, to get rid of some of the old stuff and learn and the efforts and all, all of those things, like, it produces mixed emotions, Lord, mixed feelings, mixed thoughts. But Lord, I pray that we would have before us you and that your promise and your desire to restore us to, to renovate us so that we are designed and functioning the way you made us to. That we'd have a life full. That we'd live it to its fullness and not just wait for that day that we're reunited with you. Lord, help us to identify and to throw off every hindrance that stands in the way of us on this journey. And Lord, I thank you that we can do this not with guilt and not with condemnation because you've already declared us free and saved just as if we never did. So Lord, we're free from guilt. We're free from condemnation to work on these things so that we can realize these promises in this life that you've called us to. How amazing it is to serve and to love a God like you. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit's presence and your Holy Spirit's power to come into our life and help us identify and empower us to remove the old, the broken, the decayed, the dysfunctional. Lord, our heart's desire is for that. I pray, Lord, for anyone here who has grown tired and weary of that fight. Maybe there's something in their life, there's a pattern of behavior or of thought process that we know is not right, but fought for years to overcome this. I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit's power to come right now into their life and deliver them. Remove that old, broken, decayed spot. Replace it, Lord, with the gifts of your Spirit. Lord, thank you for your power that's at work in our lives, that we don't have to do this by ourselves, that it's not all on us, that you have promised to partner with us and do this work in us.
I pray, Lord, that as we give ourselves to this process, we would see the change in ourselves and in others, that we would continue to grow to become more like you. Lord, I pray as we leave this place that you'd protect us, that you'd go with us, that you'd give us opportunity to share uh, the amazing life that we have in you with those around us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in your precious name. Amen.